My name is Kristen Widener, and I'm the children's pastor here at New Life, and I just want to welcome all of you to New Life this weekend. If it's your first time here, know that we've been praying for you, and we're really excited that you are here this weekend as we celebrate families. We're doing that a few ways this weekend. One is that on months that have five weekends, we invite all of the elementary kids to join us for service because we believe that whenever families unite and worship Jesus together, that you are placing Jesus at the head of your household. You're saying that no matter what we face in this week ahead, we are going to point our families to Jesus. The other way that we're celebrating families this weekend is that we are celebrating infant and child dedications, and we get to dedicate a little boy this weekend named Owen Kelly. So we're going to be doing that the next service here. But child dedications are one of my favorite things that we do here at New Life, and that's because children are the present and the future of the church. And when we invest in the children and we invest in their parents, we are investing in the future of the church. I also love it because parents, they're taking a leap of faith and they're coming forward and saying that they want to do everything they can to teach their children to love and know and serve Jesus. But what they're saying is that they know they can't do it alone. They need our help. They want the help of their church family and we get to walk alongside this journey with them. So thank you for being part of that and doing that for all the families of New Life. So we are in the middle of our series called Loving Your One, and we have been asking one really important question every single week, and that is, who is your one? But how do we really determine our one? You know, a lot of us, we may have several ones, some of you may have one one, but here is a simple way to help you determine who your one is. Your one is anyone who doesn't know Jesus and doesn't know new life. And over the last several weeks, we have learned that in order to really love our ones, we need to first love God, then we need to love ourselves, we need to love our neighbor, and today we are going to walk through how we can best love the group of people who probably mean the most to each of us, and that is our family members. Loving your family will help you to be able to really love the ones in your family the ones who don't know Jesus. So each of us here today have a really unique family dynamic that's special to us, all right? So some of you may be sons, daughters, husbands, wives. Some of you may be grandparents with grown children. Some of you may have recently become empty nesters. Some of you are in the heat of teenage years and you are helping your teens navigate a culture that honestly, it's really difficult for us adults to understand. Some of you have elementary age kids, and some of you, like me, are in the middle of those wild and wonderful infant and baby and toddler years. Some of you have blended families, some are single parents, some are foster families, some of you are newlyweds. Hey, some of you may not even have a family just yet. And this is a perfect time for you to begin to pray for your future family, to begin to pray that you find a spouse whose beliefs align with how God views the family. So whatever your family looks like today, I believe that you can apply these biblical principles to your family to really begin to have a family that honors and glorifies God. So thankfully for us, God offers a lot in his word about families. And we're going to take it back to the very beginning of the Bible. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, where this is the only time that the world was perfect. 
It's the only time there was no sin, the only time perfection existed. And during that time, God created the very first man, and his name was Adam. He also created the first family. And so since this is the only time that the world was perfect, we can clearly see how God wanted the family to look. So in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God said that it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. God did not want Adam to do life alone. He saw right away that Adam needed a partner. He needed a teammate. So then in verses 22 through 24, it reads, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. See, God created the first family exactly as he intended it to be. A man and a woman united with God, leading their union. Adam and Eve became the very first husband and wife. They had no children, but God wanted their family to grow, so he blessed them with children. And God had planned for those children to be nurtured by a mother and a father in the unity of marriage and in connection with God. This is God's model for the family. This is what God wants the family to be. But unfortunately, sin entered the world when Adam and Eve sinned. And sin, it really impacts everything, right? And one of the results of sin is brokenness within our own families. And we see right away the brokenness that lied right within that first family. We, in Genesis chapter 4, we're going to read about the very first murder. And it's between the children that God blessed Adam and Eve with. God wanted the family to care for one another, but Cain killed his brother Abel out of jealousy. God wanted Cain to love Abel, but instead he hated him. Now, this is a really extreme example, right? But we can all share stories of our imperfect families and the brokenness that lies within them. So today we're going to walk through how we can love our families and how we can mold them into being everything that God created them to be. We're going to re-examine our habits and our thoughts and be open to what God's plan is for family. The Apostle Paul gives us some structure on how to best love our families. And that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, where he says that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So this leads us to today's take-home point. And the take-home point is the one thing that we want you to take home and remember and do your best to live out throughout the week. It's the one point that this entire message is about. And today's point is this. Putting God as the head of your household is the best way to love your family. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for family I thank you for our biological families, whether we have adoptive families. I thank you for the families that we've created that aren't blood here on earth. I thank you for the family that you've created here at New Life. I thank you, God, for every person that's in the room, whatever role they have in their family. God, I pray that you speak clearly to them. I pray that you speak clearly to every man, woman, child in this room. I pray, God, that you open up our hearts, open up our minds to be able to allow you to really work 
in our lives. I pray, God, that the Holy Spirit just works in each of us. I pray that the Holy Spirit fills me, God, that my words are your words only. I thank you for the opportunity we have to start our week together with you and our church family. In your name we pray, amen. So God is the head of our households, and what a wonderful blessing that is. That even when we fail, even when we screw up, even when we do the sin that just seems so unforgivable, God is there. He still loves us, he's still fighting for us, and he is waiting for us to come back to him. He sets the ultimate example for how we are to love our family members by the way that he loves us. God calls us to love our family members, even the ones that are unlovable, even the ones that have hurt us so badly. God wants us to keep loving them. But what we need to acknowledge is that we can love a person and disagree with their actions if they don't align with God's rules for the family. If you are a parent, I am sure that you have family rules. Kids thrive with rules. Kids, I know you may not want to hear that, but you do. You thrive with rules. And without rules, you are going to get into trouble. So the rules in your house are like the bumpers in bumper bowling, right? So your kids may make mistakes, but those bumpers are there to help steer them in the right direction. They may make the same mistake again, but those bumpers are there to help guide them. If there's no rules in your house, there's no order. And basically, love is diluted. In the same way, God gave us rules and order and provision to protect our families. But how do we create this order? How do we really allow Jesus to lead our homes? And the answer is authority. It's God-given authority. So we're going to take a look again at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, where it says, But there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So husbands, you have the authority position. You have a really big job because Jesus is your boss. The Holy Spirit needs to be your source of direction for your family, and you lead your family best by praying for, with, and over them daily. Prioritize bringing your family to worship on the weekends, whether it's online or it's in person. Have that time together as a family to worship together. And then bring that worship right back into your homes during the week. And as you're training and guiding and loving and nurturing your children, train them to go into the world and care for the lost, to love the lost, to love the hurting. Train them to do that. This is a huge job, right? And you were not meant to do it alone. God didn't want Adam to do it alone, and he doesn't want you to do it alone either. His plan was to give you a partner and a teammate and that is your beautiful bride. Husbands, love your wives and respect them and be willing to sacrifice everything for them. Wives, if your husbands are doing this and they are seeking Jesus for direction, allow them to do it. Allow them to lead your home. When your family is following this God-given authority structure, your kids will know that mom is being backed up by dad. They will know that mom and dad love one another, that they're a team, that they support one another, that they're fighting for your good. They will know that they are seeking Jesus for direction in their lives. God established this order 
so that there wasn't any confusion in our households. And when we stay in this order, we are on track to having a family that really honors and glorifies God. Children, don't hate me. But your role is to obey and submit. So listen to your mom and dad. They do know what's best for you. They are doing their best to be everything that you need them to be. And in the book of Ephesians, Paul wrote something very specific for you. So I want you to listen very carefully because these words are powerful and I believe that they can really change your life. So it says this, children, Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. Kids, your parents are human beings. That means they are going to make mistakes. But forgive them. If they are leading you by serving Jesus and seeking Jesus, that means that they are doing everything they can to really help you be everything that God created you to be. Now, God does call us to honor and obey our parents unless our parents are asking us to do something that's against the will of God. And there are some kids that really don't have good home lives. And if you or you know someone that is, does not have a good home situation, it's really important to encourage them to talk to a trusted adult. But authority, when it's exercised the right way, really is leading with love. And if you want to love your family best, Jesus must be the head of your household. It all belongs to him. It's his house. It's his marriage. They're his kids. Hey, we get to care for them. We get to love them. We get to nurture them. We get to do everything we can to protect them. But ultimately, they all belong to God. Each of us belongs to God. So we're going to consider some really practical ways that we can love our families. These are practical things that you can start with your family today that will really help strengthen your family unit. It will help you draw closer to one another, and it will ultimately help you grow closer to Jesus. So the first practical way to love your family is to have intentional family time. The key word here is intentional because we all have a lot of family time, right? But to really be intentional about the time that we have together. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics, the average American parent spends 2.2 hours a week playing and doing hobbies with their kids. Two hours a week playing with their children. PBS reports that the average American parent takes in nearly 56 hours of screen media per week. That's time not with their kids, 56 hours of screen media per week. Our families need us to prioritize them. Our children are craving real, authentic, quality time with them. But how do we do it? Our lives are really busy, right? How do we really create this intentional time that we can have with our families? The first one is pretty obvious based off of that statistic, and it's to cut back on our screen time. In our connected world, it's really hard to connect with our families at home when we're connected to everything outside of the world on our phones. And trust me, I get it. It can be really hard to put our phones down sometimes, but it is really impossible to be fully engaged with someone if we're scrolling through our phones while we're having a conversation with them. 
listen, at the end of the day, sometimes all I want to do is curl up on the couch and catch up on Instagram and laugh at those reels because I think they're funny and I like to skip through all the sad ones because I don't like to cry. But I like to do that at the end of the day and sometimes I do it. And before I know it, an hour has passed and I've wasted time on my phone that I could have been spending with my family. And every night I regret that I did it. It's not actually enjoyable, right? But we get sucked into it. So I want to encourage you this week, 15 minutes a night, hey, maybe 30 minutes a night, turn your phones off, put them in the junk drawer, put them in another room, spend time with your family, talk about your days, play a game with one another, something to invest in one another. The second way that we could create intentional time is once a quarter, put something in your calendar for your kids to look forward to. This doesn't need to be expensive. This doesn't need to be anything lavish. Doesn't need to be overnight. Just a couple hours for your family to spend together doing something that really excites you. When I was a teacher, families would always take their kids to Disney World. And a week later, they would come back to me and I would say, oh, what was your favorite part of Disney? And you know that every single child told me their favorite part of Disney World was swimming in the hotel pool with their families. And as a parent, I was like, I'd be so ticked if I paid for Disney and all you wanted to do was swim. But they didn't care about the, the Mickey's Castle or the Bippity Bop Boutique. They didn't care about that. They loved having time with their parents and their siblings swimming in a pool. That's what was their favorite part of the week. It doesn't need to be big. It just needs to be intentional. And here at New Life, we have several different events throughout the year that are actually planned with your family in mind. We plan events so that your family has something to come to, has something to look forward to. And we do that through family night, trunk or treat, the fireworks. These are all created for your family to get together, to grow closer to one another, to grow closer to your church family and people in the community. And ultimately, you'll grow closer to Jesus through that. So whenever you hear that these events are being promoted, be sure to add them to your calendar. And the third way to have intentional time has to do with our spouse. And it's to, pro to prioritize time with your spouse. And earlier we talked about how, you know, mom and dad are a team. And we all know that teams take a lot of work. They don't just happen naturally. You need to communicate. You need to have a plan. And that happens by spending time with people and talking. And back in October, I was reflecting on all of the areas of my life, and <laughs> I realized that I was giving my all to my kids, I was giving my all to my work, but I wasn't giving my all to my husband. And it was hurting us. We felt really disconnected. We were arguing more. It, it wasn't healthy. And we realized that we weren't making time for one another. And so we have a Google calendar that we share all of our events and activities, and we actually had to put a slot in there to spend time together. Because if we don't plan it and we're not intentional about it, it doesn't happen. And if it doesn't happen, our marriage suffers. And if our marriage suffers, we're doing a disservice to our children. We don't know how much time we have on this earth to really invest in the lives of the people we care about the most. So let's not be in such a hurry that we forget to really enjoy our family members and that we forget to really show them the love of Jesus. So the first practical way to love your family was to have intentional family time. And the second is to pray for, with, and over your family. James chapter 5 verse 16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other 
so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. When you go to God in prayer, you are teaming up with the God of the universe and you're praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to be upon your family. Prayer is our most powerful weapon. Lay your hands on your family members and pray for them. Listen, I know your kids and your teenagers are going to say, get away from me. I don't want you to do that. But do it anyway, because I promise that later in life, they're going to look back on those times and they're going to know that they were worth you praying over them. Pray for your kids to have the courage to do the right thing. Pray for their futures, their future spouse, their future kids, their friends at school. Continue to pray for them. Kids, Pray for your parents. They are figuring out how to be the parent that you need them to be, and they need your prayer too. And the third practical way that we can have intentional time is to talk about Jesus daily with your family. Parents, we have a really cool opportunity in this life, and that's that we get to be our children's first and main teacher. We're the foundation for their understanding of Jesus. We get to set the example for what it really looks like to have a relationship with him. They learn best by example. And so when they see us praying when we're struggling and when they see us giving God praise whenever something great happens, we are setting the example that everything goes right back to God. Moses made it really clear in Deuteronomy 6 how important it is for parents to talk to their children about God's commands. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. While parents are the main teachers, the team members that are here on the New Life Kids and New Life Students teams are here to support you. You may not know this, but these leaders pray over your children every single week, whether they're here or not. Your children are being prayed over. These leaders sacrifice time with their own families to invest in your child for a few reasons, but one is that They really love your children. Even when they're hard, they still love them. And two, they were called by God to do so. And as parents, we could do everything that we can, but someone else may be able to fill in the gaps that we miss. And these team members are here to partner with you and help guide your child to Jesus. A few months ago, my son Jackson, he's three years old, and he started to have that really common childhood fear of being scared of the dark. And a couple weeks later, we came to church on Saturday night, and Miss Bobby was his preschool teacher. And that night, Miss Bobby was teaching them that when I am scared, Jesus is with me. And so they went around the room, and they got to share things that they're scared of, and Jackson said that I'm scared of the dark. And Miss Bobby said, hey, honey, you don't need to be scared of the dark because Jesus is your comforter. So when you're scared, you can pray and say, Jesus, please be with me. A very simple prayer. And that night, we came home and I put Jackson to bed and he said, hey, mama, guess what? I'm not scared of the dark anymore, so you can go to bed. And I was like, thank you. I can get a full night's sleep now. So I was thankful for Miss Bobby for many reasons. (laughs) One is that I got some sleep. And two is that she was able to fill in a gap that Jake and I couldn't. 
And my prayer for my children is as they grow and they get older and they face really challenging things in their life, that they will know that Jesus is always with them. Jackson learned it at a really young age, and I pray that that sticks with him. But as they face more and more things, and they may not feel super comfortable coming to Jake and I in their teenage years or maybe even elementary years, my prayer is that they go to their New Life kids and New Life students leaders because I know that they are pointing them to Jesus. I know that they're going to tell them the truth, but that they'll tell them the truth in love. So if your children or your teens aren't involved in New Life Kids and New Life Students, I really want to encourage you to get them involved in those ministries because these leaders are here for you. They want to partner with parents. And listen, our culture, it's doing everything it can to turn our kids away from Jesus. But these leaders, this church family, we get to rally around one another and point our kids to Jesus. We've talked a lot about reaching our ones, right? And it's not just for adults, and I know we have a lot of kids and teenagers in the room right now. So I'm going to talk to you specifically right now. You guys have ones. And your ones are anyone at school or in your neighborhood or maybe an extended family member, and maybe where you work, anywhere you play if you're on a sports team. These individuals are your ones. Your ones are anyone that doesn't know Jesus and doesn't know new life. So I'm going to encourage you right now. Kids, ask your parents if you can have a play date with one of your friends that doesn't know Jesus and doesn't go to new life. Have that play date on a Saturday or a Sunday and have church be part of your play date. Teens, invite your friends to youth group. In February, we have an overnighter where you get to go to a trampoline park and jump in the middle of the night and eat pizza. And some people really like to stay up all night and they're going to be there with them. I'm not, but some people are. And that's great that God has called some people to pull all-nighters, but it's not me. Um, But so if you have friends that don't know Jesus and don't know new life, invite them to the overnighter. Invite them to pizza nights at youth group. Invite them to costume theme nights. It's a great opportunity to show your friends the love of Jesus while also showing them how much fun they can have at church. These team members are doing everything they can to help create a really positive church experience for your children. So I do want to encourage you to get your families involved. Our families are the hands and feet of Jesus. And we know that when more than one person works towards something, we can accomplish a lot, right? So if our families are working together and serving together, we are fulfilling God's plan and purpose for us on earth. And here at New Life, we have a lot of opportunities where you get to serve together as a family. Sign up to pack blessing bags together. Sign up to make Operation Christmas Child boxes. Serve together with your family in the galaxy. Serve on the fishbone ministry where you actually get to make a meal together with with your family and then go serve the meal to kids in Butler County. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. So earlier, we talked about how God blessed Adam and Eve with children. And we saw right away how the first family was broken because of sin. We saw that the model that God wants for our families didn't work for the first family. So if it didn't work for the first family, should we just abandon it? Should we just say, hey, we can't do it. If they couldn't accomplish it, we can't either. And it might be easy for us to do that. But that's not what God wants us to do. 
We must seek to live out the model that God has given for families. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can experience God's grace and God's love and God's forgiveness in our families. And we can accomplish this through today's next step, which is I will invest time praying for, with, and over my family this week. Pray for your family in your personal prayer time with God. Pray together before meals or in the morning or in the evening. Pray together as a family. Lay your hands on your family members and pray for God to intervene in miraculous ways. If a family member of yours is your one, keep praying for them. Keep being there for them. I know you have to set boundaries. You have to set boundaries because sometimes... We, we just can't keep showing love in that way, but we need to set the boundary, but keep loving them. And I believe that when they see Jesus in you and through the power of the Holy Spirit, a radical transformation can really happen in their lives. Families are really messy. They're messy because they're made up of broken people who make mistakes. And I know that some of us have family members where relationships just seem impossible to mend. We can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And God created us with this desire to belong. And that type of desire and that type of belonging really only comes from having a deep, meaningful, and lasting relationship with the Son of the living God, Jesus Christ. The only way that each of us can be who we need to be for our family And the only way that we can really take our rules as God wants us to is to be part of God's family. He made a way for us to enter into his family when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. So if you aren't part of the family, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Today's the best day to make that commitment. And this kind of family, it's pretty incredible because this family never leaves you. This family forgives you. Hey, God doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. (laughs) He's there for you. He is there waiting to welcome you into his family with open arms. So don't wait, go into the family today. Here at New Life, we say that it's simple, but it's not easy. It's a really simple thing to do, but to actually follow through with it, to actually continue to serve God and sacrifice our lives to Him and give it all to Him, that takes work. It takes daily sacrifice on our ends. But it's simple to make that commitment. And it's as simple as A, B, C. A, we admit. We admit that we're sinners. We admit that we screwed up. We admit that what we've been doing, it just doesn't work anymore. We admit that we need a Savior. We admit that we can't do this life on our own. And B, we believe. We believe that that Savior is Jesus. That Jesus came to this earth, that he lived a perfect life. That he died on the cross and three days later he rose from the dead. And he is waiting for us to join his family. He's waiting for you to join his family. And C, confess. We confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and we commit to following him in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths that Jesus is is Lord, he rescues us. We're free from the bondage of sin. He 
saves us. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can really begin to have a relationship with the Son of the living God. We can begin to really be part of that family. And if your earthly family is broken, hey, there's a family in God and he's there for you. So if you've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, I'm gonna pray for you right now. And if you would like to pray that prayer with me, you can say the words that I'm saying to yourself or you could say your own words, but I'm gonna pray for you right now as if I were you. I'm gonna ask that everyone else, please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I admit, I admit that I've screwed up. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I need saved. And I believe that that Savior is Jesus. I believe that Jesus came to this earth, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross for me. And I believe that he rose from the dead. And I confess that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. And I commit to following him all of my days. Thank you for welcoming me into the family. Thank you for giving, for forgiving me of all the garbage of my past. And thank you for welcoming me home. And for the rest of us, I thank you that we get to hear your truth, that we get to apply your truth and love to our families this week. And I pray that as we are investing in the lives of our family members, that we remember to seek you for guidance, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that whenever we don't know what to do, that you are present in our lives. So we lift all of this up to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.